Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Bain Capital Senior Advisor Steve Pagliuca says Disney's decision to extend CEO Bob Iger's contract will be great for shareholders. Pagliuca spoke with Bloomberg's Ed Ludlow on the sidelines of Allen & Company's annual Sun Valley Conference, where they discussed Disney, his sports interests in Europe, and more. So here in North America, we, we know you as co-owner of the Boston Celtics, but if you step outside the United States... I, I know you as co-owner of a, of a football club in Italy, Atalanta. Can you just reflect for a minute on, on who you think you are, or you're both? I don't know. I think I'm, I'm, I'm maybe a classic Renaissance person. Uh, I've been fortunate to be in the, the arena business and sports, two global sports, football slash soccer and, and basketball. And uh, luckily, I, I happen to be of Italian descent. So, so Atalanta, is, it, to me, it's kind of like the Celtics of, of Italy. And okay. When I when I landed there, the first time I, I met the Percassis, who still run the club today uh, in partnership with us, um, everyone looked like me. I said, "This is a great place." <laughs> my, my whole family uh, immigrated from Italy in uh, 1922. There is news there in that you finished in a Europa League spot, the second tier of European competition. But that must be a massive boost financially for that club. Absolutely, it's very significant for us and. More importantly, uh, it helps us attract great players because they want to play on a European level. And interestingly enough, if, if we had finished fifth next year, we would be in the Champions League because there would be five yes. slots coming next year. So we missed that by year. And I'm hoping uh, with, with the great season we had and the new players we're bringing in and the development of the, of the young players we had like Hoyland and Lookman, you know, we can really compete for a Champions League. And tournament. a bit of extra transfer budget. Yeah, absolutely. So... There's an interesting situation here that you are co-owner of, of a European club. You tried to become an owner of Chelsea Football Club. Uh, that was obviously not successful. Todd Bowley and, and his partners bought Chelsea Football Club. But I have to ask you what you've made of, of the result, you know, the health of that club. Well, I, I think you can never, you know, it's, there, there are always several counterfactuals. You, you, you can't look back in hindsight. Um, I think the great thing in being involved in that was we really had got an in-depth knowledge of uh, the Premier League and European football, and we already had a good knowledge from being in Atalanta, yes. and Chelsea would have fit very well with Atalanta, and they've loosened the rules on multi-club yes. strategy, so that would have fit really well. Um, you know, they've gotten out to a rough start, but that often happens when, when someone new buys a team and brings in new ideas, so uh, Chelsea's a storied franchise, and uh, Todd Bowley's a very smart person, so I think we'll make the best of it, but uh, they have been off to a rocky start. Irrespective of, of uh, Chelsea, what I'm most concerned about for the Premier League and, and, and football slash soccer in general is with sovereigns buying clubs such as Newcastle, to Manchester City. Um, you know, it's very hard to compete without that competitive balance. If, if you have a unlimited balance sheet to compete, you're at a disadvantage. And the great thing about the NBA is there's not huge disparities with the system we have in, in the NFL, 
not huge disparity, not all disparities in terms of payer play role. And so I think, I think football in Europe really has to look at the system and figure out a way to preserve competitive balance because obviously if in a league like Premier League, if three or four teams are owned by sovereigns with basically unlimited investment budgets, to be in the Champions League, to be a top four or five team, there's, there's only one spot left for the other 16 teams that don't have those kind of resources. Yes. So I think they're going to have to figure out a way to address that. It, the broader issue, does, does that threat apply to the NBA? Um, or, or do you have faith that the, the rules and system in place prevents uh, a sovereign from, from entering the system? Well, a sovereign could enter the system, but, but, but the, the system, Adam Silver and the players, in partnership with the players, we now have a system that promotes competitive balance. Okay. So, so there aren't the there aren't ten to one disparities between the salary levels of any team, um, and and there are a lot of shared revenues. So you just don't have that big gap like you have in in European football. In European football, you can have a, a team with a five hundred million dollar payroll playing a team with a forty million dollar payroll. Yes, big discrepancy. Um, and that, that 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 doesn't happen in the NBA. And that with, with the with the system of a second apron and taxation, that gap is going to get smaller and smaller so the teams will, will 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 have competitive balance that's good for the players that's good for the league and you've seen our revenues we had record record revenues record growth and the players participate in a 50 50 partnership and all that so everyone's aligned i think i think adam and the committee did a great job you know being partners with the players and so when the nba grows everybody wins and everybody's happy and so we've had labor peace we have more stars in the game than we've ever had and we've had five different champions in the last five years which I think is really exciting. If every city has a chance to win, that's one of the keys to the NFL. Every city has a chance to win because you have a good competitive balance. And I think we need to think about that in terms of European football. Do you still have ambition to to be in the Premier League as an as an owner? You know, we're assessing opportunities there. Um, I think there's a little higher bar for us than there you would mean have the been. Valuation, the clubs cost more. Or? No, I'm I'm saying a little higher bar in terms of you have to really be sure that you have an academy or you have a strategy where you can compete with the economic disparity. In Boston, you know, we, we grew up, we want championships. Our fans don't want us to come in second, third, fourth, or fifth, they want championships. So that's our attitude. And with Atalanta, we want to win as well. Um, we just have to do that in a more strategic way. And we're watching if the gap grows so much that it's almost impossible to make the Champions League if you're in the Premier League, unless you're one of the high-funded sovereign teams. Right. It makes it less attractive, frankly, to buy to buy another premier team and be banging your head against that wall. But what you're saying, I, I, I think, is you're not looking at a top five club or a historic pool of legacy clubs. You're looking at the other end of the table for opportunity. Well, no, I, 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 well, first of all, top five club, four club isn't for sale. So all you can do is look at the next 16. Yes. And the next 16 are going to have a hard time competing if... The, the top four clubs have that backing, financial backing, where, you know, they're outspending them two to one, three to one, four to one, five to one. What I've always wondered with you, Steve, why don't you have an interest in the MLS? Uh, I've looked at MLS uh, situations and haven't found the right one yet. So, you know, our strategy is to be patient. We looked at a lot of different clubs and, and then immediately we saw Atalanta was the best fit of yeah. all the clubs we had looked at. It had a great management team. It had a great market. It is one of the one of the two or three Italian teams that owns its own stadium. We're renovating. We renovated the one end. We're renovating the, the south end now of the stadium. It's a beautiful stadium. We can use it for for multi uses. 
the fans love it, and it's going to be even better now with the back end renovated and parking and amenities, you know, you know, really a la the things you get in the NBA and the NFL. So we're very excited about that. So that was a great situation. We're really trying to buy something of quality. You know, the Celtics are quality historical. We think Atalanta is quality historical. So if something like that comes along, either Premier League or any league, we'll, you know, we're looking at it. The big news. And we think there's synergy between Please. all of this. Even we've had a great experience with bringing uh, the coaches and trainers and statistics people that we put in in Atalanta to the Boston Celtics. Right. And we spent uh, uh, three or four days together sharing notes. And there's very similar things with all the acceleration needed in, in, in football slash soccer versus basketball, the, the, the kind of keeping players healthy, the strategies. Uh, so it's, it's, been, it's been great for both sides. We've learned from them and, and, and they've learned from, from us. The big news is that Bob Iger has extended his contract with Disney through 2026. Your interest there would be that Disney, ESPN, NBA, what is your reaction to that news? I'm thrilled by the news. You know, I know Bob Iger for many years personally. I think he's one of the, the best CEOs uh, that, that I've ever seen. So the Disney shareholders should be thrilled. He, he recognizes the value of sports um, and, and he, he really understands the product and how to put the product on. And so I think that's a major positive thing for the NBA and for Disney shareholders. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled at that development. Let's end on TMT, technology, media, telecoms. You know, it, it kind of seems to be back a little bit as a grouping. Um, and within that, you have so many different types of companies. But what is your attitude towards, I guess, from an investor's perspective, towards media companies in particular right now? Uh, what I keep getting asked is, how does a streaming company ever become profitable? Big existential question. Well, we're, we're going through, uh, uh, I, I've been doing technology, media investing, and, and biotech and healthcare investing for about 35 years now. And you go through these cycles. And the cycle we're going through, you had bundling, where cable companies dominated and bundled programming. And people were paying you know, $100, $110 for 100 channels. Um, that pricing got high. New technology comes in where you can, in a low-cost way, stream direct to consumer. So now we're seeing unbundling. And, and secondly, we've seen the dynamic of uh, the Internet companies, you know, Google, Facebook, um, all those companies, want Alibaba, Amazon, they want eyeballs. Apple, they want eyeballs on their sites. So they're now a player for programming. So you, you have the traditional players, new streaming players like Netflix, and then the Internet players. The one thing they're missing is content, and that has exploded sports valuations because sports is must-see TV, live TV. Um, and so we're going through this, this kind of, I think it's going to be a messy transition from the old to the new and the traditional networks, you know, fighting with the Internet networks of Google and Amazon and the rest. And the good news is we sit in the middle of it, and, uh, and they, they want that content. So, so we're going to kind of be a winner in any way, but we're going to have to be astute. We also want to do the best thing for the fans so, so that most people can see our games and do it in the most convenient way. And we're fortunate to have a commissioner like, like uh, Adam Silver who really understands the media landscape better than anybody I've ever seen and can optimize the mix so it's good for the fans, it's good for the clubs, and it's good for the, for, for, for the broadcasters. You are... Um retired or you're in the, the next chapter of your career doing other things but i did want to get your macro take on MA basically you know the attitude towards doing deals and and some of the economic factors behind doing a deal or not well if, if we step back 
I think from an investment standpoint, you know, the good thing about private equity in my family office, and I'm still a, a senior advisor to, to Bain Capital and, and love those guys, still working on many things with them. If you step back, we've had three dynamics that are going to affect us for the next decade. Uh, the first and foremost is, is the ending of quantitative easing. You know, for most of my career, probably 30 of the 40 years of my career, T-bills were at 5%, 4.5%. Right. Probably in the last 100 years, they've been at 4, 4.5%, um, of 80 years of the last 100 years. Only since the crisis have we had this very cheap money. That quantitative easing caused asset inflation, caused us uh, to ha caused easy investments into things that didn't make a lot of sense. A little yes. bit like 2000 in the internet where yes. uh, every company had a huge valuation, but no, no business plan and, and you know, no, no, no revenues. That has ended now. And so the next 10 years, we're going to have more like four and a half, five percent. I don't see interest rates coming down a lot. Um, and, you know, we prospered at Bain Capital with interest rates. We were borrowing at 9% back in the back in the 80s. So, so the private equity model can deal with that. But there's no more easy money. And so you've got to really go back to value. You've got to go back to companies that can, can serve customers and make a profit. So that's going to be a big dynamic investing. Second is we're undergoing this, this energy uh, transition. And es essentially, we're going to have to build a dual system until the new energy can displace the old you know, carbon-based energy. And that's going to take a lot longer than people think. That's going to put some pressure on inflation because you've got to, got to maintain a dual system. You've got to build an electrification system that works for, for uh, electronic vehicles and factories um, and clean energy and, and a whole blend of wind, hydrogen. And I think nuclear has got to come back in vogue to, to get us off the carbon to save, save the planet. But you have to maintain the old infrastructure. And we haven't done that. People have disinvested in the last 10 years. So that's why you're going to see higher oil prices, because we need to find more oil, because you can't make that transition. There's no way that's happening in 2030, you know, probably 2040, maybe 2050, 2060. But we've got to get a better plan for that. Um, and so th those, those two things are, you know, really going to affect the investment outlook. And the third thing is we've seen in the last, in my career, we saw a huge explosion of global trade, uh, probably 50 times what it was 40 years ago. Uh, now we're seeing what I'll call, it's not a massive decoupling, but a strategic decoupling, yes. where countries are taking back critical goods, medical goods, uh, the CHIPS Act, bringing back to your AI, own most recently, yeah, in some AI, sense. AI. Um, I think that, that, that we will sort it out. You know, I'm optimistic we'll sort it out. But it's a dynamic when you invest, you have to be aware of that because you don't want to get caught in a, in a country crossfire where you buy a business that happens to sell into China, and then all, the next day you can't sell into China. So, so every deal we look at, you have to say, what's the country decoupling risk? And it's only for certain sectors, so there can still be robust trade, but you're going to see a slowdown of that. And then finally, I'd, I'd say, you know, the United States is very well positioned because we have uh, one of the largest economies in the world. We have probably the best rule of law still. You know, we complain about everything here, but we have the largest economy, deep markets, uh, rule of law. The going's pretty good. Uh, resources, great defense. You know, we have two oceans. And, and, and one of the best, the, maybe the best military in the world. So on a relative basis, we're in good shape. But what we have to do, and the thing that frustrates me with the politicians, we have to have better government. We have to figure out the only way to really solve, and they don't talk about this, to solve income equality and social justice is education. And if you think about education, the school I went to 50 years ago is basically teaching the same way from the same desks. They've thrown a few computers in. But it hasn't had the technological revolution that, that everything else has had. Uh, so we've got to find a way to break the back of the education system 
and make it more accessible, cheaper, get more people into college, uh, get higher graduation rates. That's, that's I think, a societal thing that we have to face and it's going to be very critical in the next you know, 10 years. Does the private sector lead that then? I think the private sector has to lead it. Corporations have to start building tr training centers. Um, philanthropists have to start funding uh, places to get educated. We have to use the, the, the capabilities of the Internet and remote learning more. Yes. Um, and, and probably pay teachers more. I think we need a fundamental, you know, shift on giving people opportunity. This whole country was built on giving people opportunity. And if we don't fix the education system, they won't have that opportunity. So no matter what you do, you're not going to have the, uh, the kind of the education needed to have great jobs in the AI world where AI is, re is replacing a lot of people. So it makes it even more important that we put more money in, we're more creative, and we figure out how to get people better educations. So, so you know, my grandfather was a shoemaker and made $8 a week. And he used to make shoes that he, they would sell for $50 a pair to Saks Fifth Avenue Wholesale. And he didn't really speak English, but he was a very smart guy. But they emphasized, you know, my family, you had to get education. And so it was all about school, all about education. They forced me to be, I didn't want to be an accountant. I don't have anything, anything against accountants, but... but uh, That's the headline. But they yeah. forced me to be an accountant. <laughs> And that helped me in business later. My grandfather was probably right. I was a CPA because he said the only people employed during the Depression were CPAs. So I became a CPA and that, that learned the language of business. And that's how I got into private equity and, and consulting and the rest that, that, that allowed me to come from, you know, an Italian immigrant family to, to doing reasonably well in this country. Steve Ayuka, co-owner of Atalanta Football Club, Soccer Club. Forza Atalanta, as they say. Forza Atalanta, <laughs> co-owner Boston Celtics administrator and runner of family office and advisor to Bain Capital, among many other things. Yeah, it's a pretty slow retirement. <laughs> it, it's, it's, not, it's the antithesis of retirement, I think, but it's good to catch well, up. Well, we only have a little time on this planet, so, so I think you have to go full out while, while you're here. That's Bain Capital senior advisor Steve Bagliuca speaking with Bloomberg's Ed Ludlow in Sun Valley. For more conversations like this, subscribe to the Bloomberg Talks podcast, available on your favorite podcast platform. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.